0: Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Andrew Womack. Andrew is passionate about helping people experience the unconditional love of God and walk in his promises. He's well known for his empowering teaching on the balance between grace and faith. You can watch Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack weekdays on Miracle Channel at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Let's dive into the message.
1: This is gonna be really good. I felt specifically impressed of the Lord to have my good friend Paul Milligan on. Paul Milligan is the CEO of our ministry. He's been on my board for probably what, 15, 15, years. 15 years. We've known each other or known of each other for decades. And actually, it always it goes all the way back to you listening to me on the radio in what, the 80s or 90s? 77,
2: 78,
1: 79.
2: Seven <laughs> we were young people back then
1: (laughs) and he received the baptism of the holy spirit and so we've known of each other a very long time paul has been a uh, ceo of our ministry for a little over three years but he has many corporations we're going to let him give some of those things but let me just say that i was traveling in june and i was listening to his teaching on making sense which is what we're going to present and i tell you i was just so impressed And I was thinking that my partners, the people who watch this program, if any of these stats that you were giving are accurate, uh, we're in crisis. And you know what? We cannot accomplish what God wants us to do unless we have the resources to do it. I mean, that's not only true of a ministry. That's true of individuals. And you know, many of you may never aspire to be on television or to have Anything, or to be the CEO of a major corporation like what Paul is. But every one of you, I can guarantee you, God has called you to do certain things. And also, there are many of you that are gifted with the gift of giving. But in order for you to fulfill your ministry, you've got to prosper. And uh, so anyway, I know I'm taking a little bit of a long time introducing this, but Paul's the one that's going to talk the most of the time during these deals. Let me just go to some of these stats that Paul gave me that 71% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, up from 69% last year. And out of these people who are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, 20% of them make more than 100000 a year. Three out of five, which is what? 60% make over 60000 a year, and yet they're still living from paycheck to paycheck. So the problem <clears throat> isn't money. The problem is the way they steward That's right. their money. Exactly. And so this is the reason. Man, when I heard this stat, I was praying about it, and I said, if this is accurate, which you, how, how did you get these stats?
2: I got it from research on the Internet, and I, I cross-checked it. I couldn't believe it when I first saw it. So I checked other places, and it's pretty
1: accurate from what I can find. But if this is true, if there are the majority, 71%, nearly three-fourths of the people watching this program, if you were living from paycheck to paycheck, if you were to have some kind of an ex, uh, expense come up, like your refrigerator going out, didn't elect, <laughs> didn't your refrigerator yes. go out last month?
2: Just no, a few days ago, about a, little, a little more than a week ago, we had a lightning strike up in Woodland Park and got our refrigerator.
1: And if, if you're living yeah. paycheck to paycheck so that you couldn't replace a refrigerator or a flat tire, or if you have something go wrong with your car and you had to put it on credit card, Man, you just started living way too close to the edge. That's true. And yet, this is where the vast majority of people find themselves.
2: It happens every day, and when they do that, they're paying three times, sometimes as much as five times the price of the refrigerator if yeah. they do it on a credit because,
1: card. Yeah, and you've got a stat here. You could elaborate on this more, but it says uh, that they spend 12 to 18% more when they use a credit card than if they were to pay cash.
2: Yes, and this, is, this stat came from McDonald's. You know the the fast food restaurants now allow you to use credit cards, mm-hmm. and they, you know, these fast food restaurants love this because when you go in there and use credit cards instead of cash, you're going to spend twelve to eighteen percent more. Because you know why that is, Andrew, It's because people don't think of a credit card; they think they don't think it's cash.
1: Yeah, they think I don't have to pay for right, this. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: But you do. <laughs> you do, it says that they their transactions rose from four fifty average to $7 once a person used a credit card, which that's a significant increase. Yep. That's a 50% increase. It
2: is. You're just giving your wealth to McDonald's. That's what you're doing.
1: And I can guarantee you, Paul, that a lot of the people watching this program, their lifestyle, they couldn't live without a credit card. It's true. Now, I will admit this, that you know I don't like credit cards. And if it was up to me, I would never use one. But nowadays, you can't get gas without a credit card, and when we travel, we can't rent a car without a credit card. So I use them, but I pay them off at the end of the month. We never carry a balance. Right, that's what
2: I do. You know, one of the things I recommend people do is instead of using a MasterCard Visa type credit card, use uh, what's really known as a charge card, which is like an American Express those you have to pay every
1: month. They don't allow you to carry
2: about Right, well, you can do it with them, but you have to, you know, it has to be a special setup. But with American Express, you just pay off at the end of the month, there's no interest.
1: And there's a little more discipline that way, I think, if you use a charge card instead of a credit card. It also says here that 69% of Americans have less than one month's income, saved for a rainy day. And advisors recommend that you have at least six months, and some a lot more than that and it also says that 58 percent have nothing saved for retirement yes that's a serious situation
2: it really is i, I mean social security a lot of people are dependent upon social security i can tell you social security isn't going to cut it
1: social but, but security may not even last
2: it may not even be there when a lot of people uh, get to retirement yeah it's, it's a huge problem and people not having enough say this is why they can't buy a refrigerator when it goes out they don't have enough savings to do that but you know, when we're going to talk about this more. But there are ways people can can steward their income. Where, you know, I think you and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, we know people that make forty, fifty thousand dollars a year who are who are in better financial shape and steward their money better than people who make a hundred thousand, or hundred fifty thousand. Absolutely. 000.
1: And you know what, one of the things that we need to just say this, because Paul and I, we believe the exact same thing, but I talk about, like, for instance, I've got a book here entitled Financial Stewardship, and the whole point of this book is that everything that we have belongs to the Lord. He gave us everything, and it is not ours to use as we choose. We are his steward. We are uh, using his money, and I look at giving, as being a part of stewardship. And that's what this book is primarily about, is about giving and trusting God to multiply it back. Paul will often say things like giving is just a part of it, but you also have to steward the money that God gives you. We believe the same thing. Paul is a rabid giver. (laughs) He gives more than I do. We'll probably use some of those testimonies uh, throughout these programs. So we really believe the same thing, but he will often refer to stewardship as managing your money after you've given, whereas I include giving as a part of stewardship. Yeah. And you believe the same thing. Yeah, so we believe does.
2: exactly the same thing. I think maybe the reason I emphasize it that way is because I want, to, I want to make sure people understand how important I believe the Word of God teaches us that giving is. It's, it's the
1: first thing that should happen with your income. Mm-hmm. And so we agree on that same thing. And anyway, the point is that we are going to be sharing with you things. I teach basically about giving and trusting God and exercising your faith. But I guarantee you there's another side to this, and that is about managing the money that you've got. And these statistics that we were sharing right here show that people who use credit card wind up spending more money. You need to change your mindset. We need to change from the way that America has crammed it down our throat And there needs to be a different mindset. We need to quit living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Here's another stat. It says there were 159 million credit card holders in the US in the year 2000. In 2010, it grew to 181 million. In 2016, there's 212 million. And it's a total of $764 billion in credit card debt in the US. And this is a major problem. And we aren't here to condemn anybody. We aren't criticizing you, but we're just trying to help you. And I really, the reason I felt impressed to have Paul come on, we're going to start giving you a lot of practical things.
2: You know, you, you were talking about how much credit card debt there is in the United States. We're a nation of debtors and in our, and in our government. You know, leadership, uh, I believe, has everything to do with yeah. how a, a culture will will uh, act, behave, uh, and so our government's in debt twenty trillion dollars, and it, and, it, and it's getting worse instead of better. It is getting worse, and it, and here's that speaks to people: debt's okay. And you know, what, I want to make this point early on: debt is not sin, but it is nowhere near God's best That's for right. people. It's bondage. The, bo- the the word says that the borrower is servant to the lender, and there's a certain amount of bondage, and you lose you lose freedom. You know, one of the things you lose is I love being able to go anywhere we go, and we travel a lot. And if God tells me to give, I've got it to give. I mean, I've, I've asked people before, I said, how many times have you been sitting in a service or somewhere, and God spoke to you, you know, the pastor presents a deed, and God says, I want you to give $1,000 that need. You look at your checkbook, and you've got $100 in your checking account. And this is, I'm making a point about how important I think stewardship is. See, the Holy Ghost didn't get it wrong. You already spent the money. Mm -hmm. It's stewardship that brings you to that place where you don't have what God's speaking to you to give. Christians will tell me this happens to them all the time. So this is the importance in my mind of the combination of stewardship with giving. And I believe that's what releases abundance in the kingdom.
1: And you know, you and I are old enough that when we were kids, our parents, they would go in debt maybe for a mortgage. Or something like that but they did not live on credit and they lived within their means and stuff but the people that are younger than us have grown up again with the government and their parents and their whole society and of course the people that are on tv and all of the people who are wanting your money are encouraging debt because just as we were sharing you'll spend more money if you get it on credit and pay it out when they advertise a car, they aren't going to tell you the total price. They're going to tell you, you can get this for $199 a month. And they put it into those terms. So everything in this culture is, is drawing people, enticing people into debt. And many people just haven't seen how damaging it is.
2: Yeah, I think another thing that happens in our culture that makes this uh, difficult, uh, stewardship behavior difficult, is because we have an, what I call an ownership mentality. And that, you know, that comes from owning companies, owning stock, owning real estate. We're owners, right? That's, that's, we, we, in our culture, we elevate that. You know? And so people want to be the owner. They want to be the boss. They want to be the CEO. They want, and there's nothing wrong with that. But where it, where it starts presenting a problem in the kingdom of God, we're stewards. God is the owner. You said this early on. He owns it all. He owns what you're giving, and, and all the rest of the money. You know, if you, you know, in the parable where, where, um, where, where Jesus is talking about, the man left went to a far country and left his steward in charge, and when he came back, he didn't come back and ask the steward what'd you do with ten percent of what I left you. He
1: wanted to know what he did with a hundred percent. Yeah, I would suspect that probably even a majority of the people watching this program will think of stewardship as being, I gave 10%, and the 90% is mine right. to do with what I want to. And what you're saying is that it's 100% God, and we are accountable to the Lord for how we use the resources. I
2: believe we are. I believe 2 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about the fact that,
1: that God gives us both
2: seed and bread, both money to give and then what mm-hmm. we're to use. But you can't determine that outside of a relationship with Jesus. That does it doesn't happen any other way. And, and that's what I believe the word teaches us, that God wants a personal relationship so he can speak to you about
1: every dime of your money where it should go and what you should do with it. Well, that's a radical concept to a lot of the people watching this program. And we're gonna get a lot more into this. Before we get too far into this, I need you, Paul, to give a little bit of background about why you can speak on finances and we aren't bragging on you but we're bragging on jesus and what gives you i mean what experience do you have why should people value your opinion about
2: well i think first of all i have the experience of being poor uh my my mom and dad uh, were hard-working people and and we we were fine we did okay but my dad come he came out of a family of 10 children and he grew up during the Depression uh, as a teenager, and then he was drafted into World War II. He, I think I told you one time he told me, he said, you know, the first 21 years of my life, uh, the world's either trying to starve me to death or kill me in the war. Yeah,
1: and that kind of changes your mindset.
2: It, it, it's my, yeah, and he had, a, he had a security mindset. And he, my dad was just, I mean, he just constantly, and I have three brothers, man, he, he was uh, constantly teaching us how to work work in his mind the way you escaped poverty was you worked your way out of it and and there was a lot of wisdom in that okay that was conventional wisdom at the time and so my dad had a security mindset you know and and but that when i got to when i got to the point where i was really beginning to hear from god and and spend time in the word i didn't really see that in the word what i saw in the word was not financial security but financial freedom financial security is more about me my and no more Financial freedom looks
1: outward. Financial mm-hmm. security looks inward. In it's, other words, it's like uh, Matthew six thirty three. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then God takes care of your security. Yes. You really are a steward reaching out here and accomplishing what God wants.
2: You know, this is a great point you're making, Andrew, about Matthew six thirty three. Now, sometimes I get accused of messing with people's good doctrine when I say this, but the, what I what I read in the Word is that we don't need to pursue uh, a job or wealth to meet our needs. Our needs are met by seeking first the kingdom that's of God right. and His righteousness. That's, that's Matthew 6.33. Ephesians says that we should have a job so that we have to give. Now that messes with people's minds. My job's supposed to meet my needs. That's not what the Word says. Mm-hmm. The Word says,
1: seeking first the kingdom of God meets your needs and you know i've got a personal testimony you do too and i want you to share some of these things but in this ministry man i have sought god i have not had good business principles as paul can tell you he's now the ceo of our ministry and i terrorize Paul. So, uh he came to me one day and he and we got to do something and i said are we broke yet and he says we got 12 hours of capital left and i said well we got 12 hours what are you worrying about we aren't behind uh, and so anyway i'm telling you that i am not the greatest businessman but i have sought first the kingdom of god and because of that god has blessed me and like last year it was what 60 uh something million dollars our income worldwide 63 63 million and and i mean it's just because i have sought god and put first the kingdom of god and i have stewarded What he's given me, and because of it, if he can get it through you to accomplish his goals, if you will glorify the Lord uh, in not only your 10%, but I mean in everything you do, if God can trust you with it, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. So I'm a testimony of it, and you are too, because you have put God first in your business. I remember you talking about working for a man who was taking credit for the things that you were doing. And you knew it and yet you served him and did it as to the Lord. And so you put first the kingdom of God and God's promoted you. So how many companies have you started? What? Well, we've actually
2: owned or started sixteen corporations in since nineteen eighty nine. Um, today we're 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 down to basically five and as you know I'm working right now. The largest company that I started in nineteen eighty nine, we're Merging it with a much larger public company and we're gonna go public in September. So that's the real blessing
1: So this is multi-million dollar yeah. business
2: now. This is a this is a, a big deal It's it's where you you do an initial public offering on on uh, Wall Street If you will we're doing it on the Nasdaq instead of the New York Stock Exchange But um, that's it's a combination of uh, almost 30 years with with global global technical service And then uh, we still own Solaris Healthcare which is a group of three companies. And they're just doing, God's just blessing them. We just opened here in Colorado Springs.
1: Now you have actually turned these companies over to your son-in-law and your son. Yes. But you still are on the board, you still. Right, I'm on the
2: board of directors and
1: and, uh, my son runs the Solaris Healthcare Company. My son-in-law runs Global. And you're busier running AWM than you've ever been running these big corporations.
2: Yes. Yes, well, AWM is a big corporation, and it's it's challenging. I mean, we have so much activity going on
1: every day. I mean, we're doing things all over the world, and it's just challenging. Paul told me one time I, I was saying, "What's the difference?" And and but you were managing like four or five projects at a time, and you worked in the aerospace right. industry. You helped develop some of the fighter jets, and you know just all kinds of things. So they were huge projects, but it was four or five projects at a time, and we may have what 60 going.
2: Yeah, that would be a good day. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we, here I checked two or three weeks ago, we had like 85 separate projects going in Smartsheet. It's the way we manage it, something called Smartsheet. Yeah. And, I, and we were up to 85 projects, so it's a, it, it's a busy organization.
1: And so how, what's the uh, yearly income of some of these corporations that you got? I'm just saying uh, this t- so that people will recognize that you know what you're talking right about. Right now, pro- close to 200 million. And that's in one or both of these? That's all. All of your corporations. And so anyway, Paul has put these things to practice. And I remember when we were at Creflo's, you were talking about how you treat your employees and stuff like this. And I mean, he has put in godly principles that a lot of the uh, larger corporations probably would not have put into practice. But you are doing what, you, what God has led you to do. And because of it, because you put first the kingdom of God, God has prospered these businesses yeah,
2: tremendously. You know, I, <clears throat> one of the things I did that's that's rarely done in the corporate world, or I don't know it if it is, but in 1992, you know the story where I almost went bankrupt.
1: Yeah, that's a great story.
2: And so when I came out of that, one one of the things, I, I just sought the Lord and I said, God, I don't know how to do this. If, if I don't hear from you and you don't teach me how to do this, I I can see from here I'm not going to be successful. And, one, and many things happen, but the Lord told me to do something that I think has made a tremendous amount of difference. What I decided to do was to give the greater portion of the profit from the companies to the employees rather than take it myself. <clears throat> and, you know, that seems that sounds self-serving, but it's true. We did. We And I put a resolution in, in, at the board of directors and had the board of directors make this decision. And we've done that for almost 30 years. And so as a result... We've got some very prosperous uh, employees, at the, especially in in the executive. So teams it's
1: not just companies. the bottom line. It's not just get as much money as you can. What you are doing is stewarding according to what God is leading you to do, and God has prospered you.
2: Yes, He has. You know, I see the I see you do the same thing, and here and here's what I mean. Um, what I what we're really doing is planning is just planting seed instead of taking that money in in you know in your own hands and. Doing whatever you want to do with it, or what whatever, you plant that money as a seed, and what happens is then you have the expectation of harvest. And so I think at this point in my life, and I'm in my early 60s, I'm a lot younger than you are, and uh, <laughs> but in, in, my early, <laughs> in my early in my early 60s, I I was just talking to my wife about this recently. This thing with global and all these things that are going on. It's because we've got these layered harvests yep. of just decades of sowing and giving, and, and always, at least. I'm not saying we always got it right, but we our heart was to obey God.
1: Okay, so Paul, this very first day all we've done is basically talk about how important the need is, how that people need to listen to what we're talking about, about why you're qualified to share with them because you've seen this work in your life.
0: Thanks for joining us today.